a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, after watching today's Facebook whistleblower hearing, a whole lot of folks are wondering what the future of the tech company could be or should be. Uh, there's also all kinds of questions about what kind of regulatory regime should or shouldn't be in place. What is proper role of government and how might that all progress? And so we're going to our ultimate inside source on all of these things. So Shauna Weissman uh, joins us from R Street Institute. She's the head of digital media. Uh, she also works on occupational licensing reform, social media regulatory policy, which is the issue of the day. So Shauna, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So as as you watch the hearing today, as you've uh, kind of combed through, I'm sure, some of the uh, documents and stories that uh, have been uh, released relating uh, to Facebook in particular, what are some of the things that jump out to you that maybe we're missing in some of these headlines? So, I mean, Facebook has a lot of problems. It, it's long kind of had a lot of different kind of problems, and I don't think it's always been a good actor. But um, And I think it's, it makes sense for Congress to look into them more. But I just really worry that Congress isn't keeping a tight means and fit through regulatory approaches to, um, you know, to go after Facebook. Because, sure, they're doing things that, that are bad in some cases. But um, I worry that, that a lot of the regulatory proposals will make it so people can't compete with them or make it so they end up being entrenched. I don't want Facebook to be entrenched forever. I want people to be able to compete. And they are. Um, you know, people have talked about, too, there have been other articles talking about how Facebook usership and, and eyes on the pages are down. And I think that's kind of a reflection of their business strategy. Um, and we don't want to make it so no one's ever going to be able to, to take them over. Oh, I want to dig into this a little bit more. I've been dying to ask you this question because it is one that we often miss out on. A lot of times we, we will have big companies who will send their army of lawyers and lobbyists in and they'll they'll protest some regulatory scheme that's coming from an administration. Uh, but behind the scenes, they're sort of cheering it on because it does create a very high bar to entry. It makes uh, competitors really struggle. It makes it impossible for innovation and upstarts who just can't afford an army of lawyers or lobbyists uh, to get that. So explain that for our listeners a little bit more in terms of why additional regulatory things might actually entrench Facebook rather than make it more transparent and more competitive. Oh, yeah. So uh, at the top level, Facebook has been doing ads for like months saying, oh, you know, regulate us more. And I'm like, come on now. Like, you know why you're doing that. <laughs> and um, so that's like just the top level. But also the main kind of proposals are Section 230 reform and antitrust. With Section 230 reform, basically, if you if you get rid of the protections or you even weaken them, it opens up these legal floodgates. So you can just like sue people out of oblivion um, for user comments, which isn't smart. I don't think it's a good idea for anyone. 
No one can handle it really well. And it creates this thing called the moderator's dilemma, where either you don't moderate anything and there's lots of bad stuff on your site or you um, and you're not assumed to be liable for it. Or you have to moderate everything um, to make sure that absolutely nothing could potentially be illegal. Now, no company is going to know what's illegal. Some stuff is obvious, sure, but a lot of stuff isn't. It, it's context dependent and they don't always have the context. But in any case, the companies that are going to be able to handle this liability better are the really, really big companies. The small person starting out who misses a comment here or there or even misses many comments while he's building his business is not going to be able to handle that kind of liability. And probably if they built something good, would want to sell it to someone who can handle that liability. And then with the antitrust side, um, in a lot of cases, they, they create these regulatory cliffs. So sure, if you're beneath a certain size, you don't have to abide by these certain regulations. But um, but if you grow um, if you grow more, you're not going to be able to deal with it in certain cases, or you know you'll have to be acquired in order to handle the regulations. And sometimes companies build themselves in order to be acquired. Like hey, if they have an idea, they don't want to manage it. There's a lot of people who have great ideas but just don't want to be managers, and that's an understandable thing. But then in certain cases, companies wouldn't even be able to buy them. So there's all these different complexities. Also, on top of everything, it doesn't always solve the problem. Um, the problems that we're seeing with Facebook of, of the way it was operating are not things that are solved by breaking it up. Like, sure, you have three different companies. That doesn't mean they're going to act any differently. They're just going to be three different companies. Or on Section 230, um, now they're liable for everything on their site. But that still doesn't really stop their bad behavior, and it adds a ton of liability to them for unrelated things and to other people for unrelated things. So between kind of entrenching Facebook and, and other bigger tech companies and not solving the problem, too many of these proposals aren't really narrowly tailored to say, hey, here's the exact problem. Here's how we approach this. This would have stopped it if this were in, in place. And I just really haven't seen that. Yeah, and I think that's such a, a vital point in all of this, especially coming out of the hearing today. Uh, I was with you in terms of, uh, yeah, this is good. Let's start this conversation. Let's get some transparency. Let's move this forward a little bit. I was a little disappointed that even from the whistleblower standpoint, she was very prescriptive in terms of even addressing uh, what you described as the moderator's dilemma. Uh, and, and her solution was if you just had some really smart academics and some experts and some government uh, regulators uh, you could solve all this in an afternoon, and it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't. I don't think that's the. Uh, I don't think that's the answer or uh, helpful to anybody. Oh yeah, and also everyone faces different moderation challenges. You know, you can have some really smart people doing a very good moderation system, and lots of people will still be mad. Um, YouTube tried to protect kids from all kinds of content, so just really bland, you know, gentle stuff was allowed for kids. And then some people got mad, saying they were being censored, and it's like, wait, they're trying to protect kids. And now you're mad that they're not showing kids your content. So no matter what, you're not going to make people happy. And also, people in government, academics, a lot of them are the ones proposing the really bad ideas. So I'm not super <laughs> confident from that end. But even just think about different platforms on all trails. Um, you might want to ban all religious content, not because right. religion isn't good, but because it's a platform for hiking. And I love, love, love hiking in Utah. <laughs> Um, and I love that people are really religious in Utah. I love both those things. But when I'm in all trails, I just want to know, hey, was there a bear on the trail right. yesterday? But um, on Facebook or on Twitter, I, I'm, I like hearing about people's religious perspectives. It's a different kind of place where you can learn all different things about people. Even down to ZocDoc, um, I post good and bad reviews of doctors there. Um, there's all different kinds of dilemmas depending on the on the platform, on even like platforms within platforms. 
So it's not something that you can just like wipe out with really smart people. In a lot of cases, well, the really smart people are the people mad at the platforms um, on both sides of issues for doing things. So it's human nature isn't something you can solve with government. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. And I do think that also leads to a really important point as well. And that is there is a human component to this. That is the user's responsibility. It's it's all of us looking in the mirror and saying, you know, am I allowing my contempt or my malice or fear or frustration about someone else? Is that causing me to consume and believe uh, things that just aren't true, misinformation. Uh, we know if you have malice towards someone, your your willingness to accept misinformation or even uh, promulgate misinformation goes up. And so there is a uh, there is a human element to this uh, as well. And a lot of that responsibility comes back to individuals, to parents. Uh, to really be part of that whole discussion. Uh, Shoshana Weissman, always appreciate your perspective, especially on this. I know there is much, much more to come. Uh, We can't wait to have you back to help us continue to break this down and really what it means for each of us individually and for our families. Shoshana, thanks again for uh, joining us today. Shoshana Weissman, fellow at R Street Institute, head of digital media and uh, focusing on social media regulatory reform. Much, much more to come there. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.